what it means to seek intimacy with God the Father. I want to pray and ask for his favor right now. Lord, I love you. Thank you for everyone that's here. Need to hear from you right now, please. In your name, amen. All right, fasting. We talked about fasting last Sunday. I want to finish it up today and address some things that are really going to be critical. Here's my opening question to get you thinking. Is there a secret formula for intimacy with God? Is there a secret formula? Um, I have a lot of people that see me at the clinic come from charismatic backgrounds, theological backgrounds, which is great. But when you add mental health problems with charismatic theology, it can get challenging. For example, you get this idea that if you pray just right or fast just right or say these certain words and name it, kind of claim it, speak it into existence kind of a thing, then somehow the cogs of heaven move like on national treasure. It's so cool. And things turn and like Indiana Jones, levers move and walls move and all of a sudden, the blessings of God pour out on you in super mega abundance and it's awesome. Bill, does it work that way? <laughs> no. I'm not going to contradict you. Yeah, absolutely. Don't say anything. Um, you know, we actually think if, there's, if we can find the silver bullet, find that magic thing, some mystical formula, it unlocks the kingdom of God and all is well. Peace on earth, goodwill with mankind. It doesn't work that way. It never has worked that way. There's only one thing and one thing only that allows us to have intimacy with God the Father and that is... Jesus Christ, there's nothing else. Nothing else. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's, let's dig in on this. So if I introduce you some ways that we can have spiritual disciplines and move toward intimacy with God, I'm saying they're just that. They're disciplines. They're not magic formulas. There's no silver bullet in all this stuff. All right. So let's dig in. Um, Isaiah 1. What are your many sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. There's nothing more ritualistic, more detailed, more formulaic than the law on animal sacrifice. Read Leviticus, you'll find out. God says, I've had enough of that. And they're doing the disciplines. God says, no. Micah, this is absolutely, cuts up our hearts. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take pleasure in thousands of rams, in 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give him my firstborn for my wrongdoings, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, mortal one, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? Jesus is asked this question. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. 
Now go and learn what this means. I desire compassion rather than sacrifice. There's no silver bullet. There's no special formula that if you do it, all of a sudden things go easy spiritually and you're mystically close to God. That doesn't happen. All right, so here we go. When not to fast. All right, when not to fast. Number one, during family traditions and birthdays and holidays. Not a good time to fast. You know, can you imagine? It's, it's Caroline's 10 and it's her birthday and it's going to be so special. And, and her mom and dad, who are so holy and righteous, say, we're so sorry, Caroline, we can't celebrate your birthday because we're fasting before the Lord right now. So no cake, no special dinner, no special blue plate, which is what we do at our house. You know, if it's your birthday, you get the blue plate and we get to talk about how wonderful you are. Well, you can't do any of that because we're fasting before the Lord. No, not a good time. By the way, what parent would do that to their kid? Yeah, the one that needs to come to Grace Counseling Clinic would do that, okay? <laughs> yeah, we've got issues, Houston. All right, secondly, medical conditions. Hypoglycemia, or high, hyperhypoglycemia, hypertension, dehydration, diabetes. You can move into a diabetic uh, ketoacidosis. And Cody, what happens when you become? Uh, death is stalking. Death is drawing near. Uh, yeah, you got quite a story on that one. Cancer. Well, if you're on, if you're on chemotherapy, you need nutrients. Not a good time to fast. Right? Okay. Kidney disease, heart disease, all these kinds of things. There's a time not to fast, right? Not to fast. Let me say something just a little bit at you. You ready? Our bodies, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 6. Our bodies are a temple. They're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Should we take care of our bodies? Absolutely. But in God's economy... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you just a little bit here. Spiritual health, from God's perspective, trumps physical health. I know that's a tough one, right? We, we almost get the idea that things in our body, eh, no big deal, you know, no big deal. But listen, our bodies are sacred before God, and sometimes our bodies need discipline, Okay. I do not believe God calls us to harm our bodies. I do not believe that at all. So please don't misunderstand me on fasting. Pregnancy, lactation, not a good time to fast. Mental health problems with body dysmorphia. You know, you know what that is? What's body dysmorphia? You're short and you wish you were taller? I thought maybe that would get a, a nothing. Okay. Bruce Trice, no shins, toe, knee. Mm, man, that was good. Goodness. So, body dysmorphia. You look at yourself in the mirror and you see something ugly that's not ugly. And you have these really distorted views of self. Yeah. It's real, people. Now, you may not see it, but it's real. And I, I see it on a regular basis. And so, um, what about this one? Should, should I encourage someone with an eating disorder to engage in fasting? Why? Why not, Kathy? 
Yeah, I don't, why not? Boy, things can get so distorted and so much damage can be done. Uh, and when you mix eating disorders and body dysmorphia, you can have a female that weighs in at 50 pounds on a 5'8 frame, 50 pounds, moving toward death. And she believes fasting will help her have a good relationship with God? Ooh, no, no. And when you add religious manipulation to mental health, bad, bad, bad things happen, okay? Uh, there are professional careers or specific demands in job assignments. You do not need to fast. That's not time. There's not, you've got a job assignment. You better fulfill it. Uh, military applications, law enforcement applications, not healthy. There's a time not to fast. All right, you ready? In a push-up, let's talk about motives in fasting. Number one, I would encourage you to know the difference between self-will and God-will. Okay. Self-will and God-will. Um, when you read the New Testament, something becomes very clear. People who are followers of God, who are filled with God's spirit, prioritize God's will over their own will. All right? Now, sometimes we blend this stuff together and we, what we really want, we just somehow pawn that off on God and, and say, uh, the Lord told me, you know, when he didn't say squat. You're telling yourself and you're using God's name as a way to leverage somebody. So if you choose to fast, know the difference between your own will and God's will. Because God's will may be that you not fast. All right, number two. Know the difference between physical fasting and spiritual fasting. They're very different. Um, know the difference between fasting as an act of repentance from sin and fasting as an act of worship. That's a big deal. They're not the same. What about this one? Fasting as a means of earning your salvation, paying for your own sin, penance, versus simply drawing closer to God. What's penance? If you understand a Catholic tradition, an Orthodox tradition, we're going to earn your salvation or pay for your sins. Does that sound fishy? Randy, what does that sound like? What cleanses us from all unrighteousness? The blood of Jesus. Not fasting. So be real careful with the idea that if you suffer, your, make your body suffer, you're somehow paying for your sins. That is false doctrine to the core. That is not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, can you fast or draw closer to God? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. What about number five here? Uh, fasting as an act of worship or for self-aggrandizement. You know what that means? Ready, Sabrina? You're about to learn. Here we go. Now, he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves... Remember self-will? That they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, also known as a publican. The Pharisee stood and began praying this in regard to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, crooked, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to raise his eyes toward heaven, but was beating his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Notice the definite article, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Yeah. So, how do you ask God or, or what could you ask God to fast from? The list you're about to see is only to prompt you to think. That's all. Okay, you ready? Food. Food. That's kind of common sense on that one, right? If God does call you to fast and you do not have medical conditions that would jeopardize uh, the process, it's possible that you might fast from food. Now, perhaps specifically some food, certain foods. Uh, I've, I've got a dear friend fasting from coffee. Uh, and for me, that'd be like, wow, that's a major sacrifice. Jenna, stay away. Stay away. That'd be hard to give up my coffee, okay? They'll help me out, brother. Just hold on real tight. Hold on. Um, all right. Uh, streaming services, cell phones, social media. Ow. Uh, nobody in a crowd of this size would binge on Netflix. Or Hulu. No, no, no. Hi, I'm at Return. Uh, I'm addicted to live streaming service. Yeah. And it's on the list. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, talk about stimulating the brain and really creating some dependency. Wow. Yeah, maybe maybe the Holy Spirit's going to say, you know what, I want you to fast from Hulu, Netflix, whatever it is. You know. um, what about this one? Specific information. It'd be really cool to not talk about politics. You know that? <laughs> Fast from certain information. Just stop talking about it. Controversial religious subjects. Gossip. Negative talk. Yeah. Holy fasting. The kind of fasting that would honor God may involve nothing to do with food. Everything to do with stop talking about certain things. Just stop. Real simple. Um, here's an example. If you think this is not biblical, Paul told Timothy, just as I urged uh, you upon my departure from Macedonia to remain on at Ephesus so that you would instruct certain people to not teach strange, doctrine, strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies was just give rise to useless speculation rather than advance the plan of God, which is by faith. Even Paul was telling people, stop the religious psychobabble about genealogies. Like if you unlock it and this one came from that tribe of Benjamin and this one came from this tribe of Judah, which connect to that, connect to that. And then like all of a sudden, God's kingdom's going to break forth because you figured out you're a part of some tribe? Christians struggling with this stuff? In the first century, you bet. What about this one? Stay away from worthless stories that are typical of old women. Ouch, Paul. 
was a little rude. Paul needs to get woke here. Come on, people. That was a joke. Now, not as good as Tony. Mm. Stay away from worthless stories that are typical of old women. Rather, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. By the way, well, hold on. Um, Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and the strife and disputes about the law. They're useless and worthless. By the way, comment about old women and stories. If you think Paul is being harsh, (laughs) not at all. He comes down like thunder and lightning on men teaching false doctrine. That's just a little side comment about old stories. And if you do the background work, Sabrina, that might be good for you. A good, uh, Sabrina's quite a researcher, writer. It might be good for you to dig into what stories would an old woman be drawn to in the first century world. There's your PhD dissertation right there, Sabrina. Another thing we might fast from, maybe, is physical intimacy in marriage. Oh boy, I don't like this church. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm serious. It's in the Bible. Yeah. First Corinthians 7. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Abstinence in marriage for the sake of devotion to God. How beautiful is that? Some of us need to just stop talking. Fast from talking. Stop the prattling on. When 10 words would do, don't give 10,000. Stop the prattling. Yeah, and there's all kinds of scripture that back that one up. Um, We need to stop working. We misunderstand the preacher. Do we need to go and resign and tell our boss, take this job. I don't want it anymore. I'm leaving. No, no. The Old Testament teaches a concept called Sabbath, right? And by the way, Bill, I know you know this. When you look at Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments, there are more details attached with obeying mom and dad and Sabbath than the other commands. It's a big deal. The Sabbath is a big deal. Why? Because God rested, and we should too, right? And the people that work seven days a week, 16 hours a day or more, will burn out, right? Some of you have sore ribs right now, all right? We've got to learn to rest. That's an important way that we fast. By by the way, um, I love uh, Psalm 4610. It's commonly translated, stop striving or be still and know that I am God. In Hebrew, that's actually not translated well. It simply means in Hebrew, stop. That's all that the text says. Stop. I am God. (laughs) I'll take care of it. Stop. All right. And then the bottom line here is we've got to fast according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And good biblical fasting may have everything to do with food, if food is your idol, but it may have nothing to do with food. It may, it, it may have everything to do with addictive or pre-addictive patterns to this thing right here. Okay? 
There's lots of things. So let me show you why, why this is so important. And I want to turn this over to you. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only to Jesus, the author, the originator, the perfecter, author, originator of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the question is, is the Holy Spirit leading me, leading you, leading us, to make sure that we're ridding ourselves of obstacles, things that trip us up, things that entangle us. And if so, if you have the heart, you can fast from that, put it in perspective, and go hard after God. You're the body of Christ going to turn over to you. How would we live this out so that we are fasting in a way that is biblical? Because it's not just about food, I promise you. Michael. i got a question and a statement. But the question is, on um, one of the earlier slides, you said uh, make sure you're fasting. Was it not physical, but uh, spiritual? Mm -hmm. I think I know what it means, but can you kind of just give me an idea? Sure, 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 sure. Um, um, it's going to be a bit of a tough one. A lot of us, even at Christchurch, dabble in false doctrine, and we're not even aware of it. Okay? We, um, let me cut to the chase. You drank the Kool-Aid on woke culture. You drank the Kool-Aid. And, and dabble in the idea is that abortion's okay. Abortion's never okay. Never. Uh, Bruce and Janice will tell you in short order that abortion is used, what, 99.8% of the time as a birth control method and less than 1% for the case of rape and incest, right? And yet that less than 1% rape and incest component is used 100% of the time as the principal argument to justify that, well, we've got to have abortions, women's rights, and it's health care. No, it's not. Totally, totally. And by the way, this is exactly what Satan wants. A lot of us are dabbling in humanism and we're dabbling in false doctrine, woke political culture. And by the way, if you think woke political culture has nothing to do with spirituality, you are wrong. Okay? When you go to Black Lives Matter, you know what's on, on their page? A really scary word. It begins with an M. It's called Marxism. Okay? You don't separate political ide ideology from spiritual morality. You don't separate this stuff. It touches. And we've got to be really careful that if we're going to be, to use Paul's words, if we're going to name the name of Jesus as though he's our Lord and Savior, that we better follow him. And that includes his teachings. And some of us need to fast from the secular Kool-Aid that's being served up in the most ridiculous ways from Disney. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can go on. You get the point. Yeah.
We are tolerating poison. Quick story, we were trying to teach this to Rebecca. And I love to cook uh, simple foods. I'm not, a, I'm not a chef by any stretch. Love to cook eggs. And, and so uh, it was breakfast time, right? The kids, how old was Rebecca? She was just, what, 12? Just a little kid, I think. I don't know, I don't see, I'm prattling on here. <laughs> we were trying to teach this idea of, of spiritual purity to Rebecca. And so I cooked a gorgeous plate of eggs with cheese. It was beautiful. And before I, ser- I served it up, I took that bowl of eggs, Jameson, went to our garage where we had two cats. <laughs> Why would I have a cat? <sighs> As an old man, I want to be pet-free and debt-free. That's all I want. That's all I want. I scooped some cat feces out of the litter box and put them right on those beautiful eggs. <clears throat> yeah. Remember that? And I covered him up with napkins and I took him in the house and we're sitting down for a wonderful dinner. And I said, okay, uncover your plates. And there was Rebecca looking at a plate, gorgeous plate of eggs with cat poo-poo right on it. And I said, Rebecca, would you like to eat your eggs? And what did she say? Now, technically, the, the cat poo-poo on your writing, It was only touching probably 2% of the eggs. Who said it didn't matter? You hate cats too? Tony, did you catch that? It's brilliant, it's brilliant. Who would want to eat the 98% of the good eggs when you've got the cat poopoo touching 2%? Do you get the point? We will gobble up 2% of false teaching absolute lies, anti-biblical, anti-Jesus lies being dished out in the bucket loads in the most brilliant ways off of all the streaming service. You know, and we're, listen, we're eating cat poop poop like it's okay. (laughs) We need a spiritual fast to get rid of the lies and focus on truth, biblical truth. I know that was a lot. Yeah. They're turning into me. Uh, angry old man. Uh, yes, Kathy. Um, so I'd like to quickly share my experience this week after last week's teaching. I went and went on fast. Okay. I think Jimmy would say I should have done the five talking, but I did do number two and three uh, because I have. So I'm a very optimistic, compassionate person. Yeah. But I'm finding that there's a lot of negativity. I'm also very And so, you know, the news has been a real, real subject for me. And and sometimes it's even just spiritual news, just, you know, finding out like you're talking about false doctrine and things like that. So I just, I, I felt led that I needed to go ahead and get off of some of the videos that I'm watching and seeking out new. And it's just really been amazing because I, don't, I never realized how addicted I was to it. And it was changing me. It was making me very jaded and very cynical. And so taking that break, and then, you know, it, and it was so automatic. Like every morning I check the news, and then I have to remember, oh, I made a promise to God I wasn't going to do this. So it's been very um, disappointing for me. Um, so I, and this is the first time I've ever done this. And it's only been a week, and I'm going to do it until Easter. And I just think, I can already tell it's it's a change wow. in me. Yeah, thank um, you, Kay. For the better, definitely yeah. for the better. 
Thank you, Kathy. By the way, uh, a quick little insight on my behalf here. Uh, if you have a steady diet of news, okay, it's going to create within you typically two responses psychologically. Number one, fear. Number two, anger. Okay? And guess what? People who are angry and fearful are easily controlled. Okay? Be real careful. You've been warned. Somebody else. Finding that thing that's an obstacle. Finding that thing that trips at the entanglement thing. Go. It's more of a question, and maybe Regent actually hit some of this too, but is there much talk about fasting as a community versus an individual, and what is that? Sort of yes, thing? so thank you. In, in Israel, in Israeli culture, the, and there's not a lot of fasting mandates at all. God's more into partying than he is into fasting. I'm not kidding. You see very little about it, but when it does happen, it is corporate. It's a national fast. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, it's pretty minimal. God's into the party. He loves it. Yes, sir. Uh, the thing that I was going to say as a statement has kind of actually turned into a question. Um, when I think of fasting, I think of something that's okay to do in life that we're going to abstain from. And I would think that we wouldn't necessarily use fasting as a tool to stop sin because really you just stop. You don't fast from sin. Right, you just right, stop. Right. Is that a correct understanding? Yes. Um, <clears throat> Michael, let me ask something for the sake of just rhetorical effect. Uh, I know you and Angela love each other. And I'm really proud of you as husband and wife. But what if Angela served you the same meal every night? Let's just say it was delicious grilled salmon with steamed broccoli and, and, and a nice baked potato. With just, a li- just a little dollop of sour cream. She doesn't go over the top. But that's what it was every single night. What would happen to your appreciation for her cooking? Every time. You get the point. Right. If we think fasting is the only tool in the toolbox, we're in serious trouble, people. It's just available as a discipline to help you draw near to God. And it doesn't have to be about food. It can be about a lot of things. In fact, I'm far more concerned with addictive, dependent behaviors in the room that have nothing to do with food than I am about food. Anna. Um, so, a lot of you probably know, I was Catholic before, anyways, um, and something that one of my priests told me that kind of just, like, struck whenever, because this is a big deal in the Catholic Church, like, you don't eat fish on Fridays, like, all these rules, but he was like, you know, instead of thinking of it as fasting, like, you have to add in something, it's not just take away the food, it's not just don't watch TV, it's in place of that, when you think of that food, when you think of those sweets that you want to eat, when you think of that TV show that you really, really, really want to keep watching because it's on again and whatever, is that you go to the Bible and you pray about it and you talk to God. It's not just, let's just remove this. It's about putting something back in, in its place. That's so good. Yes, so good. Yes. That's what I've been doing. I have all of these books that I want to read. A lot of them are theology books and stuff. Right, right. So I've already been a week, a book and a half. 
There you go. How much time I was spending, you know, it's amazing, Kathy. It is amazing. By the way, let's say, Patch, go ahead. I was just going to say that in the process of fasting, whatever you're fasting from, just like related to when you go overseas, fasting creates isolation. So you are abstaining from food or social media. Coming out of that should be something you're equally as conscious of. Yeah. Because what happens is, and I've experienced this, when you come off of a fast or you come across, come up, come off of a, a trip that you're completely devoted to God and you're focused, there's nothing around you that's distracting. You come back, there's a tendency to look at people around you and get very pharisaic. <coughs> yes. there's, there's a vulnerability I mentioned last week. We have to be very careful about, just like coming off of food, don't just load up on pizza after you come off a two-week fast. It's not healthy. Gradually integrating back into that, you know, hopping back on Twitter, and then what happens is, for me, your brain, there's a, there's a jarring, and you start kind of questioning, was all this for real? What's happening? So, yeah. so this gradual return to something, I mean, you may get rid of it completely. I mean, that's always, a, that could be a product of fasting, necessarily, but mm-hmm. something that you realize isn't important anymore. But if you're coming back to something that you are intentionally laying down for a time period, it's really important to be able to be conscious of how do you ingest that again? Yeah. How do you do it slowly, do it consciously, and then ask yourself, is this good for me? Right. Whatever it is. So yeah. you very, very aware of that. That is so good, so good. So let's do this. Um, if, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you guys to search your hearts to see if there's something that's an obstacle in your life or something that's tripping you up, the entangling thing. Okay, I want to pray over you right now. Father, uh, ask first for me, for me. Open my eyes to what trips me up. Open my eyes to the obstacle in my heart that I know Pulls me away from you. Father, I ask for these people here, my family, that you would open their eyes to the obstacles in their hearts and the thing that entangles them and pulls them away from you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being faithful. Okay. Now here's what here's what can happen. The Holy Spirit's spoken. We can take that seriously. And we can confront it. Whether that's disciplining of it, whether it's a fasting from it, or radical embracing it and dealing with it. Second Corinthians 10. We bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And you discipline your mind. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a disciplined mind. And we seek, in what Paul said to the church at Ephesus, to be pleasing to him in all things, not some things, but all things.
Or you guys will absolutely dismiss what's been taught this morning or what's just happened because after all, there's a whole lot of fun stuff waiting on the other side of those doors and you'll get real busy real fast and it's as though you didn't even go to church on Sunday. <laughs> it's just whatever. You jumped a few hoops. You know. The whole point of intimacy with God is destroying you. That's all. So let me bless you. Lord, I love you and I thank you for these amazing people and how you encourage me through them, through your spirit. Bless the team. Lead us in singing love songs to you, please. In Jesus' name, amen.